Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I know it's a long journey, and we are covering Ephesians for a whole month already, but we are not in rush. It is worth to go slow and try to get every single nutrient from this amazing, powerful letter of Paul to one of his greatest uh, churches. Now, Paul spent two years plus in this city. He established one of the Christian headquarters of the early church. There was such a special church that Paul chose, together with other leaders, uh, no one but his beloved spiritual son, Timothy, to be the pastor of that church uh, eventually. And uh, history and tradition tells us that the last apostle, John, the beloved disciple, he retired, so to speak, in that church. He used to preach there once in a while. So it was a very special church. That's why we can see this uh, prono gospel, this, this summary of the entire gospel message in this letter here. This is why we are going very slow, but slow enough for us to grasp everything the Lord has for us. So far, we covered chapter 1, 2, and 3. And if you guys remember, we were talking about the wealth, the riches we have in Christ Jesus. And because we really have such a wealth in Christ, eventually our walk will be changed. Because you are complete aware of the riches you have in Christ, therefore you have a new walk. Say amen, everybody. So today we're going to cover the second half of chapter 4 that opens this session of the walk of the Christian. Or better saying, a new walk. Let's bow our heads. Holy Spirit, fill this place with revelation. We resound the words of the apostle. Let the spirit of revelation and the full knowledge of God come upon us. Let the eyes of our hearts be open to receive God. The measureless anointing, the measureless grace through your word today, we open our hearts and minds, change us today, really empower our walk, our new walk in Christ Jesus. We pray in your name, amen and amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and on. Everybody opens your Bible. Don't only read there in the projection unless you don't have a smartphone. Uh, but if you have a smartphone, let's make it real Smart now. Open your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness. Of heart. Next week, look at me. 
Pastor John is going to share a word here. He's going to touch on that aspect. How the world is becoming hardened and blind for the truth. I'm going to touch a little bit about that. Verse 19. They have, became, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him, you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. That deserves a good amen. The truth is in Jesus. It is not in any broadcast channel you used to watch or YouTube or the internet. <laughs> Whatever is your internet experience. The truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Now... Notice already, this is a very practical instruction we receive now. We came from theology into a manual of life. We came from doctrine into practice. We came from narrative into imperative. Now you must walk in a different way. Because you have such resource within you. Now, we're dealing here with the overcoming walk. Those that are called to have a noble standing before this crazy world. And let's be honest. With society's value going from bad to worse. This message is extremely urgent for us Christians. Because the world will not get better, guys. I'm so sorry to announce that. But we don't need to go in the same route. 
So I need to set a proper stage here for what we're going to cover through these verses here. First, this message is not for everyone. And I know we are live streaming this service and a lot of people listen to us. And some of them are not fit to listen what I'm going to preach now. This is because Paul is preaching here for those that first pass through Ephesians chapter 2. Let me give you a deep theology. Chapter 4 comes after chapter 2. You guys like that? So you have to remember what chapter 2 says. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not a result of works so that no one may, may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Say amen, everybody. So if you skip chapter 2, you're going to start to read chapter 4 with the lenses of evangelical moralism. And we are establishing this new legalism form. And some people even read the imperative, the practical admonitions of Paul here as means to relate to God. So we don't need that. We will not become less welcome if you don't practice those instructions. This is not to make us more or less welcome, more or less received before God's presence. However, it is clear that we are not in a religion thing. We are in a relationship with God. So look, look again, verse 30. That's why Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So we are in a relationship. So if you tell me you respect a person, if you tell me you love someone, but your attitude, your habits are not changed out of this relationship, you are just deceiving yourself. I dare to say, if you are really in love with a person, you will change accordingly to please that person. So, a good measurement of love in marriage is how much you changed after years with that person. Are you guys with me? Just ask yourself how much you have changed after you married that person. If you are exactly the same person that your friends in the single time of your life recognize, you have a roommate with interests, but not a spouse. Because if there is a godly instrument to change your life, it is your spouse. Every married person here say amen. Because you're going to really be shaped accordingly to the love you have for that person. You, you allow yourself, you yield yourself to transformation. Or do you think I love to wash the dishes in the house just because it's my hobby? No, it's because I love. I take the initiative of serving. 
Or do you think that, you know, just buying, you know, the better car for her instead of for me. We were joking yesterday about it. I still drive in a golf cart and she's driving this electrical car. And I said, this is not fair. Yes, it's not fair if there was no love. But because there is love, she deserves the best. And she just got into the room, so it's good that she's listening to that. So let's put all legalism aside. Let's get ready to take our relationship, and listen to me, our relationship with God seriously. Because it's important for us, guys, to, to stop with this religion thing with Jesus. And be more relationship, relational with him. Now, the chapter 4 opens with this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk. The word there is paripateo. We're going to use this word later. In a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, it's important that we learn this verse, is the opening, because Paul now is going to make a clear contrast of our old, pointless life. Looks verse 17. I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk, paripateo, the same word, as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. This contrast is to remind us of our BC time, our time without Christ, how we used to live. We used to live in the futility of our minds. The word here is the same that Solomon used for Havel. Or vanity in the book of Ecclesiastes. Speaks of emptiness, worthlessness, purposelessness. Is the same word for chasing after the wind. Isn't that a most purposeless mission of life? Chasing after the wind. You're thinking you are saving money. But you're putting in a bag with holes. You never accumulate a thing. You never save a thing. You don't actually have anything. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Which begs the question, why would we give ourselves to the endless pursuit of material things when we are rich and wealthy already? Say amen, everybody. And, and that's the intention of Paul here. Don't forget, you already are very rich. Amen. You are wealthy. So you don't need to live according to the world. Chasing after the wind. I know you are crazy to have that little gadget. And you really thought that this next AirPod 
will be such a big difference. But it's not because the battery endures less than three hours. And you're willing to throw that thing away that you paid 200 plus dollars because you really thought it would change your life. But it didn't change. So you know the, you know the, the thrill. You, you buy the thing. You have that, you know, rush of enjoyment in the beginning. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't last. It doesn't last because probably Samsung is going to try to copy and do something similar. I know Android users are mad at me now. But, and it's true. We just like come after, you know, chasing empty stuff. When you think we grasp, it's just wing through our fingers. Proverbs 5, 18. All married couples, listen to these verses. Let your fountain be blessed. And rejoice in the wife or husband of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Hallelujah. Which makes me to ask you, why, will we, why would we give ourselves to the never satisfying sexual immorality when we have the promise of pure and lasting love in our marriage? The text actually continues saying, all times with delight. Be intoxicated always with her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? So this is exactly what Paul is asking. He's asking why we're going to exchange the satisfying, fulfilling, trustful relationship with the promises, the deceitful promises of adultery, of immorality, of sexual life outside the covenantal protection of marriage. Why would we do that? Another verse, Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, diminish. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. The question is, why would we embrace the fake-filled appearance, lifestyle of social media, the purposeless idle life, instead of a purposeful and generous life? So this is to introduce us. To what Paul is trying to compare, contrast. You are rich already. Don't make your life miserable. You have a promise of satisfying, protected, pure love. Don't change that for sexual immorality. You have a meaningful, purposeful, real, genuine, tangible life. Don't change that for foam, for appearance. For a selfie with a bunch of filters that does not express reality. Don't do that. Why will you do that? Now, we need to be a little more intentional here. Because Paul says there is a problem with the world. It's the problem of hardness of the heart. And the problem comes from 
pride. And you, you know the group that loves to use this word now, right? The pride. The pride. And, and it's, it's clearly a statement against the ways of God. It is clear, uh, uh, it's a public statement. I will not subject my ideas, my lifestyle to God's standard. But this is the way of the world. This is the way of the Gentiles. The Bible tells us to avoid that Gentile attitude at all costs. Be we, like, and, and be willingly to surrender our opinion to God. Now, here's a problem. When people come to me and they call themselves believers, they label themselves Christians, and they tell me, Pastor, I know what the Bible says, but I simply don't agree. We have a big problem here, my friend, because I can't call you a brother after that. I can't call you a sister after that. Because above your Savior, He is your Lord. Maybe you don't remember, but in Romans chapter 10, the Bible says, whoever confesses Jesus as the Lord and Savior. You have to accept His Lordship, His mindset, His, his standards to accept His salvation. That's the only way actually you're going to be saved. Is that if you surrender your opinions about God and accept and believe His real identity, who He is really, who He really is. Again, the problem is pride and arrogance. James chapter 4 tells us God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble so there is there is a spirit of haughtiness a spirit of unteachable attitude that sometimes creep inside the church and Paul is trying to tell don't walk in that way of thinking that way of mind that way of the Gentiles when we are prideful we don't seek help because we think we don't need any help. And the tendency is to become insensible of things that actually hurt you, damage your mind, your, your psychic aspect, your, your emotions. You're hurting yourself, but also hurting people around you. Ephesians 4.19 they have become callous and they have given themselves up to sensuality. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So I'm going to just create a small parenthesis over here because I want to talk about pornography for a while. Pornography, it's the new plague of this generation. No other generation in all, pay attention, I'm not exaggerating, in all human history had such exposure to pornography as our generation. It's definitely a simple conclusion. Everybody has 
a computer in their hands now. And everybody can see the worst of the world there in the palm of their hands. However, even scientists agree that pornography is not neutral to our brains. They are calling it the new drug. And if you are doubting me, you can Google it. It's the most accessed drug because as any other drug trafficking, it starts free, but then it is expensive. And it's, it's charged very expensive. Uh, there is a movement made out of PhD doctors that created this movement. It's not a religious movement. It's made of uh, social scientists and also actual biologists. The name of their movement is called Fighting the New Drug. Every parent should go to this website. You can go right now if you want. I allow you to do this. Because it's completely scientific. Maybe you don't know, but your pastor has a little bit of scientist in him. So I like to give basis to what I'm telling you. It's founded not only in the Bible, but also it makes sense. Go ahead, just Google it. It's called fightthenewdrug.com. And, and this movement came to some uh, scientific conclusions about sexual immorality, specifically pornography. This is what they say. Because of neuroplasticity, plasti plasticity, neuroplasticity, our brains constantly change. Therefore, supernormal stimuli or stimuli such as pornography can trigger measurable changes that can affect the normal brain activity. So number one, pornography is a drug and is very addictive. And, and I know we want to categorize pornography as one of those legal drugs like alcohol or cigarettes. But the damage in alcohol is in your liver, smoking to your lungs. But pornography affects your brain. You see the difference? And, and you don't want to take medicine to your brain. Number two, pornography numbs your sense of reward. Now, I don't know if I'm going to get complicated here, but let me just clarify. Okay, because this is a problem not only in the world. I, I'm speaking openly for you because I was exposed to pornography very early in my teenage years. And that definitely uh, traumatized a, a lot of things in my brain. And I had to experience the healing, a process of healing to really get back to the normal uh, understanding of intimacy and sexual life. It wasn't at, at once. It was a process of healing that took place in my brain. But the problem of pornography is that creates an anticipation for the pleasure that never gets there. So usually a drug addict, when he gets the drug, he rushes the drug over the body. Dopamine is released. 
and the feeling of satisfaction come through the body and he can't just take more until the rush passes by. Definitely the problem of drugs is that you're going to increase the dosage of that drug in order to get more dopamine. But the problem of pornography is that you never get complete satisfaction. You just get addicted to the anticipation. So the problem with getting addicted to the anticipation is that whenever, even when you get there, in other words, you get into the sexual, the immoral sexual practice, is that you're never going to find that expected satisfaction that you were deceived to believe. Again, I don't want to get much of time on that, but this just is to reaffirm what the Bible says. The world have become callous. And Paul is trying to tell us, don't go in the same route of the Gentiles. Actually, the scientists put it, like, put it in this way. Pornography normalizes sexual objectification. I know it's a strange word. But you start to see people, women or men, as objects. It's simple like this. I'm going to read a quote here. Pornography is totally new, but soon becomes old as you keep watching. Does a need to watch more or get more attractive stuff and novel in order to get the same level of activity in the brain reward system? Creating paradoxes because it starts out the scenes turn people on. However, the more porn you watch, the less likely you get aroused, which seems to indicate that the normal, healthy sex isn't sufficient anymore. Okay. Romans chapter 124. Therefore, God gave them up the world in the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Everybody say, Amen. Paul is trying to admonish us don't go in that route. You don't need to become callous. I think that's the worst of all resistance or opposition from God. It's to be given to ourselves. I don't want to get even close to that condition. All right. These are, these are all elements that Paul is going to touch here. And now we're going to cover in a very practical way uh, everything that he covers here. Let's go to verse 20. It says, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off, everybody said to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to, everybody say with me, to put on. So we put off the old 
and we put on the new self created after the likeness of God. So now we're going to play with these words. We're going to put off the old and we're going to put on the new. Everybody say amen. The idea is that we don't embrace, clothe ourselves with our old self. There are many names for this old self in the Bible. One of the names that is vastly used in the New Testament is flesh. Everybody say flesh. So flesh is this part of our bodies, this body, and in our minds that is in clear rebellion against God. More specifically, the dwelling God in us, the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 says, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, our flesh is that element inside of us that never gets saved, converted, disciple, good people. This is the, the old part of our being that never gets converted. So I need to tell you, don't try to overcome the flesh with the flesh. The world goes after all kinds of treatments for behavioral disorders. And we understand that because they don't have other option. We totally respect that. However, that continuous state of stress makes little change because the source of the problem is still there. It's the sinful nature. So they never change completely their identity. That's why in any uh, help group or rehab group, they identify themselves as the addiction they own, they became part of. Hello, my name is Rafael, and I'm addicted to pornography. So he, he, they embrace the identity through their addiction, and it's totally understandable. But we don't need to be like that. We overcome the old nature. How, Pastor? Embracing legalism, regulations? No. We walk in a new way. We put off the old and we put on the new. Galatians 5, we walk by the Spirit. And as we are walking by the Spirit, this is a movement thing. You are not in a passive position. You are like an airplane that even though it's extremely heavy, it's able to overcome gravity law. Because the movement, the, the, the flying movement produces a greater law, the law of the Spirit. Say amen, everybody. So that sounds simplistic, but you must try to see its effectiveness. This month of June, some of you guys will be tempted because you think that vacation implies in being uh, idle, slothful with your spiritual disciplines. Don't do that. 
Because the only way we're going to overcome the drives, the, the cravings of the flesh, is if, as if you, you continue to walk in the Spirit. In other words, you overcome the old walk with a new walk. You put off the old and you put on the new. Romans 13. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off, put off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Or verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. So we do that as we are be made new. Pay attention in the statement I'm doing. As we be, are being made new. Look, Ephesians 4.23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. The passive voice here is to remind that actually can re, who renews you is God himself. So let's get very practical here. Verse 25. Therefore, having put in away, put away, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. So number one, we put off the falsehood and we put on the truth. We are not only not lying. Which it's important, just to be honest. If you are struggling, be honest. There's nothing that God will be surprised from our nature. We can be completely naked before God and not be ashamed. Say amen, everybody. We can go back to the former way before the fall. Honest. But also that speaks on finding opportunity to speak the truth. The truth of God's grace. The truth that is in Christ. So let me recommend you something. Put on the truth means you're going to make this vacation, this break, this off time, one of the most fruitful time in your life. You can evangelize. You're going to find opportunities to speak the truth of God. The Word became flesh, John 1, verse 14, and dwell among us, and we have seen His glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So don't waste time. Find opportunities to speak the truth for those that never heard about it. Number two, we put off uncontrolled anger and put on conversation. Be angry and do not sin, Ephesians 4, 26. Do, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So I know it sounds like an imperative to be angry, but it's more a concession here. It's almost like, if you are angry, though you really shouldn't be, you don't need to escalate that into cussing. 
into battle words, into actions. In other words, people that turn every single feeling into action, they are crazy people. And you are not crazy people. Amen. Feelings are just feelings. So be careful with this, you know, tendons, this trending out there. But I feel, and so I need to express that. You don't need to express that. You don't need to get angry and sin. You can get angry, but not sin. Let's be clear here. The important thing is that you resolve the matter. You go after the situation and don't let it fasten. God rotten. You, you're going to talk about it before the sun goes down. Say amen, everybody. I know tomorrow the sun goes down again. But it's better that we resolve on the day. Amen. That we really find an opportunity to talk about it before it fastened. Now, I'm sorry, but I need to give you guys this example. Are guys tired? Can I go a little bit more? You guys remember this king in the Bible? His name was Saul. You guys remember his, this guy? He was the first king of Israel. And the Bible says that one day he got extremely angry because the enemies, uh, they mocked, they, they joked about the misery of his people. So Saul got extremely angry. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel, I'm not a need to project there, 1 Samuel chapter 11, that the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul because he was angry. So there is a, there is a right anger. It's the anger against unfairness, injustice, against the enemy, the devil. But this same Saul Years later, he got angry out of jealousy, out of comparison. Because he felt that God should not bless David more than him. And the Bible says that the same Saul had a harmful spirit coming upon him. In other words, Ephesians chapter 4 is correct. We can be angry. We don't need to sin. We should resolve the matter on the day because maybe tomorrow will be so late. And the devil will find an opportunity to oppress you. To bring that crazy thoughts in your mind. Don't let this happen to you. Say amen, everybody. Let me skip some parts over here. Finally, put off laziness and idleness and put on honest work. 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I'm going to keep the rest of this message for next week or next time I preach here. But I need to make a statement. We live in a generation that is being bombarded from social media. 
Pay attention, all young people here. All of you guys. I want everybody to pay attention, young people. That the standard of successful life is to not work hard. This, this, this message is being preached all over the internet. How many of you guys ever receive this kind of message? Uh, in few hours, if you watch this course, this, this, this video, or these ideas I have for you, you're going to make six figures by the end of the year. Like it's, we, it's filled with this junk out there. And this generation are believing in that stuff. The standard of God, of success, of the new Christian walk is a walk that has a purposeful work. So it is fit in that sense that you are known, that you are named after the job you are working with. For example, uh, formerly, I used to be a teacher, physicist, but I don't teach physics anymore. So it's not fit anymore, that label over me, because I don't work that work anymore, that job anymore. I'm a pastor. I take care of people. Maybe a little bit of builder, because a lot of you guys seeing here have my hands. But I'm a pastor. How you name yourself? We have VPN, Business Professional Network. And it's interesting because before they enter in our seminar time, I make a simple question for some people. And I ask them, what is the marketplace you consider yourself in? And some of them struggle with this question because they don't know what they are working with. Therefore, they don't know even their own identity. The Bible is very clear. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Everybody say amen here. And I know, maybe I'm preaching to the choir because I know most of you guys are hard workers. But the Lord wants to speak to the new generation. We're different. We don't walk like the Gentiles do. We're not looking to be idle. And doing nothing as a mean of success. 